grandchildren. I just have to brag on them um, a little bit. So what, what I want to say is um, I, I started going to church when I was 24. I'm 60 years old now. So for 36 years, I've been in church consistently, and I've been around the prophetic. And, and the prophetic is so exciting to me. So I'm going to share a little bit about the prophetic today. But you are so blessed. And I know I'm going to say a lot of things today that you guys already know. But it's just going to be uh, confirming. And uh, I just want to confirm to you that you are so blessed to be in this church because this is a church that embraces the prophetic, yet they have such a good handle on pastoring the prophetic. And so the prophetic can be um, detrimental. I've seen it uh, hurt many people's lives because it wasn't pastored well. And it's your pastors do the prophetic through relationship, through love, and walking people through the prophetic, not using it as a, a shepherding, which is a controlling spirit. But they're teaching you how to hear from the Lord yourself and helping you <clears throat> to walk through difficult times when you maybe have gotten a word or it, it didn't pan out the way you thought it was supposed to and you could get hurt or confused or discouraged and God will always perform on his word. It's just sometimes it looks a little different than we thought it was going to or it doesn't happen in the exact timing that we think it's going to, but it will happen. And so um, you're just so blessed. I, I, they love so well. This church uh, once again, I've been around so many churches all over the world for the last 36 years. I've, I've honestly can say, and I'm not saying this because they're my children, I, I've never been in a church where I saw people more loved by the pastors. And, and that is such a huge, huge blessing. And so um, I just want to start today uh, in prayer. So if you would just be kind enough to stretch your hands towards me, it just shows that you're in agreement um, uh, with the prayer. And so, Father... Um, I just bless this house, and I thank you, God, for the honor and the privilege to come here to sow into uh, my church family. Father, you know I pray for these people every night, and I love this, the people of this church and those um, that are watching online today. Father, I'm just asking that each one of them will receive the blessing of this message, and uh, you will use it for your glory. And so, Father, I just uh, release that now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, for those that are at home, like Ben was saying, wherever you are, you're connected. There's no distance in the spirit. And so, Lord, we just release the anointing and the power right now over this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So the name of my message today is Resurrection, Power of the Prophetic. And um, most of you know that, that this church embraces the Holy Spirit because the gifts of the Holy Spirit bring life to the body of Christ. And I've seen many churches over the years become lifeless because they didn't allow the moving of the Holy Spirit uh, in their lives. And, and that's extremely sad to me. I've seen the same thing happen in people's uh, lives, in their marriages, ministries, relationships, in their jobs, every aspect of life. And I believe that to be the work of the enemy. Um, the enemy knows the power of the prophetic and uh, in our lives and the authority that is given to us in the body of Christ through the prophetic. We, you and I both have uh, a privilege, an honor to move in the prophetic. And, and basically what that is, is just knowing God's word and beginning to declare God's word over our lives. There's nothing more powerful. I've always said at our church, 
The most detrimental thing you can ever do in your life is to oppose God's word. But the most beneficial thing that you can do in your life is to agree with God's word. So when, when you're in the Bible, and I'll just encourage you, and I know your pastors encourage you in this uh, all the time, be in the word every day. It's the most powerful thing uh, that's been given to us. And so as we know the word, as we begin to declare the word over our lives, you will see your life radically transformed. And so God's word will always perform what he has sent it out to do, right? Um, the driving force of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. I'm going to Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. Some of you are familiar with this verse. And uh, the apostle John was given great <laughs> revelation. And the whole book of Revelation was about future events that are coming. But towards the end of this book, he uh, was... Uh, been shown so much revelation by this angel. The angel of the Lord was sent to him and, and uh, told him to write all these things down. And in verse 10, um, he says, the angel, uh, John falls at the angel's feet. He says, then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who, home, who hold firmly to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we must always remember that the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus. And our testimony is to point people to him. If we always remember to keep Jesus as a focal point, then the Holy Spirit will be pleased and continue to release gifts among us. Um, we aren't here uh, to worship the angelic realm, just like when John tried to worship this great being that had given him all that revelation, the angel told him, don't do that. We worship God and him alone. And so the, the reason I'm even sharing this is sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in the gifts of the prophetic that we lose sight of Jesus. I've seen churches do that. And once again, there's such a great balance in this church. I've seen churches that get so into the prophetic movement that it almost becomes uh, uh, you know, you're, you get caught up in that so much, you lose sight of Jesus. But the driving force of the prophetic should always point us to Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit will always point to the Lord Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus is that we get out and share the gospel, right? Remember when the Holy Spirit fell in the 120 in the upper room, right? And, and Jesus had even promised them. He said, he goes, uh, wait in Jerusalem because the gift of my Father is going to come. It's the promise of the Father. And he said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he, Jesus wasn't talking about, you're going to see all these great signs and wonders and miracles and, 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 and moving in these great prophetic giftings, which that all happens when, when we accept the Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes to live inside us. And then there's another empowering presence that comes on our lives. I know your pastors teach you that. You know, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that. You'll be endued with power from on high. And so, but what Jesus told him was, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. So that's the first and foremost that we should always remember. Of course, I want to move in miracles and signs and wonders. I want that for my life, and I believe that's going to happen. But if I ever lose sight of Jesus and focusing on him, then all of that stuff really doesn't matter. And it will be displeasing to the Lord, and that's where we'll see the gifts of the Holy Spirit move out of our lives. So let's keep that... The, the driving force behind the prophetic is the testimony of the Lord Jesus. He paid the price. 
And we are told every uh, told in Scripture to desire all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. Once again, I'm, I'm talking about the prophetic this morning and the power, uh, resurrection power of the prophetic. I've seen, um, you know, people's lives that were devastated in their marriages, in their jobs, in their ministry, churches that were falling apart. And then the prophetic uh, flow came into that church or into somebody's life, a marriage, uh, a job, uh, you know, relationships with children, children that had strayed from the Lord, whatever it is, the power of the prophetic being spoken over somebody's life will bring life back to that situation, whatever it is. And so um, Paul told us in Corinthians, going to Corinthians now, 1 Corinthians 14, he told us to pursue all the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm in verse 1 now. Chapter 14, first off, he says, pursue love. Pursue love. How do we do that? You know, the Bible tells us God is love, right? I don't think there's enough words in the uh, uh, English language to describe God uh, sufficiently. But if we boiled it down to one word, God is love. And so, in my opinion, how do we uh, pursue love? We pursue God. And then it's just like... a. a a benefit of pursuing God is that his love is given to us. And that's the type of love that we need, that undefiled love. And desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people, but to God. Since no one understands him, he speaks mysteries in the spirit. So once again, when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I know your pastors teach you this, uh, and if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I highly encourage you to seek after that. It's a gift that you should uh, pursue. It's a promise of the Father. But when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, one of the gifts that will be given to us usually is what they call speaking in tongues or speaking in a spiritual language. And so this is what Paul's talking about here. So when people are praying in tongues or speaking in tongues, no one understands except God and the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is praying through us back to the Father. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people uh, for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So here's some guidelines on the prophetic. And once again, I know this has been taught many times. So I need to hear these things as uh, confirming to me to help me to walk in the way that the Lord wants me to go. So Guidelines for the prophetic, Paul tells us right here, they should be encouraging, strengthening, and they should be for consolation. The, the, the Holy Spirit upon us when we're uh, prophesying is to bring edification, a building up, a strengthening, and, and consolation to the body of Christ. That's just the purpose of it. The person who uh, speaks in tongues in another tongue, builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So two difference, two good things, two things that I recommend, two things that I, I do in, in my life all the time. Every day, I pray in tongues because it's building me up. I, I want to be built up in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit prays things through me that I wouldn't even know how to pray or how to pray for certain situations. I know that I'm being built up. And when I do that, now I'm able to give out and I can prophesy over the people that I love and build them up. And if we all uh, function in that way, the body of Christ will be so powerful. So 
once again, prophecy has the power to resurrect a, a lifeless church, which that isn't this church. This church has life, and it's vibrant, and I'm, I'm just so proud of my children. But I've seen many churches that, and, and I've seen this so many times, and I'll, I'll try not to take too much time. But once again, just being in the body of Christ for 36 years, I knew pastors that at one time were pursuing the Holy Spirit and, and going strong for God and, and, and were passionate about the Lord Jesus. And then they got caught up in like trying to build numbers in their church. And, and they were like, well, I can't allow the Holy Spirit. I, I can't allow, uh, uh, you know, the gifts of the Spirit or the speaking in tongues or prophesying because that's kind of weird. And people, I want to be the seeker sensitive and make it comfortable for everybody. But that's not the gospel. Jesus never talked about it being comfortable for everybody. He talked about it could be uncomfortable at times. Because when we get comfortable, we get complacent. But that's not the body of Christ. We should be stirred up about the Lord. But anyways, friends of mine... And Kara knows one of them. I won't say his name, obviously, but he was going hard for the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden, he decided to become a community church. And, and he fell into all kinds of sin, and, and the church was never the same. And I've seen that happen many times. And so we want to embrace the move of the Holy Spirit. And when we trust God, he will build the house. And Ben, I had a dream, I forgot how many years ago now, but I knew in that dream God had given you and Kara such a big church. And I remember talking to you in the dream, and I was like, Ben, I need to learn Spanish because there's so many people here and that I want to minister to. And, and I said, isn't that, I said, in fact, I said, our whole family needs to learn Spanish, right, Ben? And I remember Ben just started nodding at me in the dream, and then I saw tears coming down his face because he was so moved by that. And usually tears in a dream will represent that that is God's confirmation on that, and it's his destiny. And so um, my wife is really good about dreams. I'd love to have her teach on dreams sometime uh, here. But anyways, yeah, it was just such a powerful message. So I, I know the thing is we don't have to strive to make things happen in our lives. We, so many times we can get caught up in that, right? Like even what Ben was saying, if you're called to go to college, that's great. If that's God's destiny, go for that. But that doesn't mean you're limited if you don't. Let's just trust the Lord. He's going to do the things in our life that, that we need done, the things that we can't do. He'll do the supernatural if we just trust him and put him first. And so I'm going to look today at a story in the Old Testament that it's probably uh, some of you are familiar with. It's not a story I've heard preached on a lot. And I'm actually going to use only a couple verses on this one. I'm talking out of uh, 2 Kings. So the story of Elijah and Elisha is a very interesting prophet, both of them. And, uh, you know, Elijah was an amazing prophet who did incredible things for God and stood up against uh, Jezebel. Some of you know that story. And so anyways, I'm in 2 Kings uh, verse 13 or chapter 13. Test. There we go. Okay. I got to get a quick drink here. Okay, we're in 2 Kings, 
and I'm in chapter 13. So 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 21. So just to kind of get uh, people caught up, those of you at home and, and those of you here, so many of you probably know the story, but <clears throat> Elijah, he transferred his anointing to the next generation, and I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit more in this. But I believe that we're always supposed to raise up the next generation, right? That's I've always said in our church that uh, my wife and our our uh, ceiling is our children's floor. So they're going to, whatever we've learned, because uh, my dad was called to be a pastor, and he ran from the Lord. His, his father had been called to be a pastor. He ran from the Lord. They both became alcoholics and just didn't fulfill their destiny that the Lord had for them. My wife and I picked up a, a broken baton or a dropped baton, and, and we had to start from scratch. And we plowed through a lot of tough things, but now we're able to just pass that baton on to our children, and to and they're doing that to uh, our grandchildren. And I believe that each generation, the anointing builds, and and the the way that we've moved in the prophetic, or the way that we know the word, or the way that we preach the word, they're going to go so much farther with it. And I've already seen them do that, and it's nothing's more exciting. So we see that in this story. Elijah was a powerful prophet, but he passed the anointing on to Elisha. And Elisha had asked for the, the double anointing. Some of you know the story. Um, he, he was saying uh, he was with Elijah on the day that he was going to be taken up to heaven. Some of you might not know the story. But anyways, he, uh, Elisha was taken up to heaven in uh, a, fire, a fiery chariot. And Elisha saw this. This is something you don't see every day, right? Uh, so he's there, and Elijah had told him, he said, what can I give you before I pass on? He, he knew the Lord was taking him home. He said, what can I give you before I'm taken home? And Elisha said, I want the double portion or the double anointing of what you have. And he said, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me on the day that I'm taken up, it will be given to you. And I, just for sake of time today, I'm not going to read that whole story. But he did. He saw him, and he cried out, and he said, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. So he sees this great sight, which we don't really understand exactly what it looked like. But he sees this chariot of fire with these horses, swoops Elijah up and takes him to heaven. And his mantle, the mantle that Elijah had, which was a robe that represented his, his authority, his power, was dropped from that chariot, and Elisha picked it up. Bible scholars say that there was probably eight known miracles that uh, Elijah did. Elisha did 16. Don't you wish he asked for the triple anointing, uh, you know? <laughs> and so, anyways... You, Elisha has, in this part of the story, this scripture I'm going to read right now, he's, he's been dead for years. He had been buried, and he's, his uh, bones are in a tomb. So in verse 21, it says, Once again, the Israelites were burying a man. Suddenly they saw a raiding party, so they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. And when he touched Elisha's bones, the man revived and stood up. Once again, that's not something you see every day either. 
It's, this is so crazy. I'm like, this is what I believe. God doesn't just put stories in the Bible just so we could read, read them and, and laugh and say, oh, that's so unusual. Isn't that cute? That's weird. That's funny. You know, whatever your, your uh, take of it is. I believe that these stories obviously were real. These were real people. These were real events. But I believe there's a spiritual application, too, that we can read these stories. And as we study through them, and I began doing this many, many years ago, as I would read stories in the Bible, I would begin to look at the Greek or, or the, you know, usually the Old Testament obviously was the Hebrew. I would look at the Hebrew root words and see what the Lord was speaking. And it was just opened up a whole new world for me of what God was showing in these stories. And so here, um, I'm... Once again, just for the sake of time today, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I want to tell you, take these stories. When your pastors give you stories or sermons, take them home and go back through them and read through the scriptures because the Holy Spirit wants to reveal things to you just like he wants to to me. And um, you'll spend so much more time in this message and developing it. God's going to show you so much more than what the few little points I'm going to give you today. And so um, here, here's what I feel like this story is representing is that the Israelites, remember it said the Israelites were burying a man. The Israelites to me represent the people of God. And that's those of us who have asked Jesus to uh, come in to our hearts and be our Lord and Savior. Just a quick little side note. <laughs> Many people want Jesus to be their Savior, but they don't want him to be their Lord. It's a package deal, Okay. He can't be your savior if he's not your Lord. So le learn what that means. I, I don't even know what that means for you. That's between you and God. What, what he, it is for me, that's none of your business either. That's what I love about Christianity. It's a personal relationship. I'll just tell you this morning is whatever that means to you, whatever Jesus shows you, be obedient to that. And, you know, I'm going to do the same. And so I want Jesus to be my, my uh, Savior. He needs to be my Lord. So that's what he's, uh, I'm talking about here. Uh, the people of Israel represented, uh, the Israelites represented the people of God, people that had asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior, and they're burying a man. I believe this man represents uh, the things that we deal with in everyday life. We all have difficult situations that we encounter. How many know you have difficult situations that you encounter in life? That's just part of life. Jesus said that, right? In this life, you will have many trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. We've overcome the world because he's overcome the world. It doesn't mean we're not going to go through difficult situations because we're going to. The, the, I always uh, try to, like, you know, life is about perspective, I always believe it's about attitude, it's about perspective. And if we will look at it this way, and this is hard to do, it's, much, oh, it's always much easier to say, right? If we will look at every difficult situation that we're in is an opportunity for God to show himself powerful on our behalf. It's just an opportunity. I don't care what I'm going through. I, I got some kind of terminal sickness or, or whatever it might be. This is an opportunity for God to do a miracle in my life. And because of that, it's going to be a testimony for the Lord Jesus that other people will come into the kingdom because it's always about getting people into the kingdom. Amen? That's why we're here. God, God has given us purpose in life. The world's out there looking for purpose. 
I guarantee you, people are out there every day looking. You see it all the time. That's why people commit suicide and, and get into all kinds of horrible things because they're looking for purpose and a destiny in their life, and they're asking the question, what was I created for? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Jesus told us we're to build his kingdom. This is what's so great. I, I, I get going, and I just need to calm down because I just get revved up, but Everything that we do in this life apart from God's kingdom is temporal. Whatever we do for God is eternal. I don't know about you, but I want to invest my time and energy and money into the eternal. And, and that's, you know, like what Ben was saying this morning about sowing and reaping. Sowing into God's kingdom. You know, our finances, that's something that's eternal. That no, the enemy is never going to be able to take away from us. The riches that we have in this world, you know, they're passing away. But whatever we've invested into the kingdom, we have for all of eternity. That's exciting. So, Israelites were people of, of God. This man that they're bearing is the situations, the difficult situations we all encounter. The raiding party. Obviously, to me, is the enemy. He, you know, that's John 10, 10, right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we could have life and have it abundantly. This is what's so great, too. Thinking about that verse, he's, Jesus has promised us eternal life. And remember, I love, the, I love when Jesus said this. He says, fear not, little flock. It's my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We don't even know what that means. We have no idea because the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. Whatever, the, the, the greatest uh, day that you've ever had in your life, the, the, the most uh, fantastic situations that have ever happened to you pale in comparison to what God has planned for you for all of eternity. And so that is, is once again, so exciting and so the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came that we could have life, eternal life, but also abundant life here and now. And there's no way that we can have that abundant life apart from him. You know, uh, Ben was talking earlier during the announcements about uh, good medicine and, and having the good medicine for people that are going through the coronavirus and, you know, whatever situations in life. But I want to tell you the best medicine that I know of is being in God's presence. <laughs> it far surpasses any other medicine known to mankind. Just being in God's presence. And that's how you're going to have that abundant life. So, Elisha was given that double portion of Elijah's spirit or anointing. Uh, this was, once again, conf God confirming to me the importance of raising up the next generation seeing the next generation increasing in the power of the Holy Spirit and bringing the kingdom of God upon the earth. We all have, uh, maybe not all of us have children. We were just talking about how we have 19 grandchildren. We're so blessed to have 19 grandchildren. And some of you uh, older people might not have children or grandchildren for whatever reason. And maybe, maybe just some of you aren't even married yet and you haven't reached that point of your life but we all have people, spiritual children, that we can raise up. Nobody's ex excluded from the kingdom of heaven. So 
um, the resurrection power of the prophetic realm, teaching our children and our grandchildren how to release the life of Christ into lifeless situations. We see it all the time. Um, some of you might even be thinking this morning that, that you don't know how to prophesy. But I'm telling you for sure that you do. And, and this, this is always the guideline right here. Once again, the Bible, knowing the word of God, being um, just inundated with the, with the word will help you to move in the prophetic. So just, uh, 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 you know, I'm getting ready to close, but just some quick guidelines for the prophetic. If somebody ever gives a prophetic word and it doesn't line up with the Bible, I guarantee you it's not from the Lord. The, the prophetic word should never be used to control or manipulate. That's why I always love to uh, receive prophetic words, especially from people that I know. I heard that Joseph Z say this, and I loved what he said, that you see prophets that aren't... Uh, tied into a local body and under a pastor and accountability, he doesn't even want to be around people like that. And that's me too. All the, all the, we have to have the five-fold ministry that works together. And so prophets need to be in a local church. They need to be under pastors. That's why so many of them have failed and, and caused problems in the body of Christ because we all need accountability, no matter who we are. And so I love the prophetic to be uh, built through relationship. And once again, you're so blessed to have pastors that love you and build relationship that they can prophesy into your life, that they can help you walk it out. Once again, when things don't go exactly the way that you think they're going to, I promise you, God's word will be fulfilled in your life. I have prophetic words that I'm still waiting on 20, 25 years later. I know God's going to fulfill them. Sometimes God doesn't fulfill things because we're not quite ready for them. And so I just say for my own life, there were things that, Lord, you know, why didn't you do that already? I knew God was perfecting my character. So when he gave me those promises, I wasn't going to let pride come up in my life and let it take me out. So we just, we walk things out. We know God's building character in us. And we know his word is true. Um, so I'm, I'm going to end with prayer. Father, I just thank you for life. We just say life. I'm just prophesying life. Lord, over marriages where the enemy has uh, come in, Lord, and, and just tried to bring death and destruction this morning. Father, I just release life in the name of Jesus. God, over any job situation, Lord, where the enemies come in and cause problems and, and somebody hasn't been prospering, I speak life over every job this morning and promotions, God. Lord, I'm praying for... Uh, just uh, family members, Lord, the prodigals, children that have strayed from the Lord. God, I'm calling them back this morning in the name of Jesus. I speak life, life over every relationship. God, over those that have strayed, that they will come back home. Lord, those that are battling a disease or sickness this morning, Father, especially the digestive uh, uh, system, God, I just pray for healing this morning. I speak life in the name of Jesus. God, those that are dealing with the pancreas this morning, Father, would you bring healing right now, Father, in the name of Jesus? I speak life over that situation. And Lord, I believe that you're going to bring life to every part of this church. God, and this church is going to be 
stronger in love and unity than it ever was. Father, as they're going through this situation right now with the the COVID, Lord, I believe that this church is going to have more love, more unity, more power than ever before, God. Lord, that you're going to bring back not only the people that are sick right now, but many more are going to come into the church. And so, Father, I just prophesy life over this church, over every marriage, over every family, over every person. I say life this morning in the name of Jesus. We love you, God. We thank you so much. Amen.